Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen, real results, real care, real about recovery. Hey, everyone. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Podcast. My name is Mung, and I'm back. Whoa, 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 whoa. That was really loud. You said it wrong. Why? What did I say wrong? You said the Fantasy Football Podcast. That's not our name. Oh, I'm, I'm sorry. It's been quite some time since I've done this. Almost two full weeks. I'm sorry. Let me let me redo that. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Addicts Podcast, everyone. I'm, I'm just shaking my head left and right and every which way. This is Los, of course. Uh, Mung's been gone and he's forgotten how to host the show. How about this? Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Fantasy Football Eggs Podcast. My name is Los. I'm just imagining you doing like a James Bond face when you say that. I think it was more of a cheesy uh, 80s game show host. Ah, close enough. Anyway, I I know you all missed me uh, last week. You had to listen to Los ramble on. How's that? Oh, we didn't uh, didn't record. Oh, no? No. Ah, well, I I guess I must have misheard then. Um, But anyway, how are you doing in your leagues today? Or this week? Uh, I need, um, what do I need? I think I need less than 15 points from Amari Cooper and the Dallas defense, um, which I'm pretty hopeful for. It might be 20. I'm, I'm forgetting. I know that makes me a bad fantasy football player, but uh, my other ones were locked up, and I uh, can't remember this one exactly. But that's what we're down to. Oh, it's, uh, yeah, 22 points. Oh, well, that's fine. As long as I get about 52 points from Zeke. <laughs> Oh, gosh, yeah. Well, good luck to you. If there's anybody who can do it, he can do it. But he's not going to, probably. Yeah, we shall see. I am, I'm I'm going to be 5-4 and four in a couple leagues, and, you know, it's uh, it's clutch time. It's We're a few weeks away from the fantasy playoffs, and that's why, uh, you know, with the fantasy trade deadline coming up in quite a few leagues, uh, we're going to talk about some potential trade targets this week when we preview each of the matchups here. It's time to make some moves, whether it's to get some wins now to make the fantasy playoffs or if you're starting to plan ahead, if you've got a playoff berth more or less locked down. Talking about moves, why don't uh, if you if you want a closer shave, why don't you move from that garbage you've got there and move right on to the sponsor of our weekly segment, Mung? Yeah, and this week uh, in one of the most anticipated showdowns for quite some time. The unbeaten L.A. Rams went on the road to face the New Orleans Saints. It was a close contest late into the game, but with the Saints holding on to a small three-point lead late in the fourth quarter, Michael Thomas took matters into his own hands. On a crucial third and seven, with under five minutes left to play, Thomas hauled in a 72-yard touchdown from Drew Brees, pushing the lead to 10 points to close out the win. Thomas would finish the day with 12 catches for 211 yards and a touchdown, breaking the Saints' franchise record for most receiving yards in a single game. Get your close shave like Michael Thomas with Gillette, the best a man can get. Want to try blades for less? It's easy. Just choose the right blade for you, order conveniently on the website, by email, or by text, and your blades will get shipped right to your door. Start today and get $3 off your first order. Michael Thomas, Michael Tron. Just an absolute stud. Yeah, I made that up. And yeah, I ripped off Calvin Johnson. But whatever, it doesn't matter. 
We're going to take you into the uh, game previews this week. Carolina at Pittsburgh, kicking off Thursday night football. Finally, a game we can get excited for. The Carolina Panthers get a short week to revel in the victory over their divisional opponent and should have a nice offensive day here. Nothing new with Cam, a solid quarterback one, and McCaffrey added 17 carries, 79 yards, and two touchdowns to five catches on six targets for 78 yards. And he was vultured at the goal, goal line for a touchdown by the fullback, so it could have been an even better day. He's a running back one from here forward. Greg Olson is a solid tight end one this week, giving us six catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown. And the wide receivers continue to be tough. Conscious was the best, four catches, five targets for 42 yards. But Curtis Samuel had two catches with a touchdown and a rushing touchdown, double reverse end around, uh, compared to the rookie DJ Moore with just one catch, 16 yards. It's still Funches for me if you need to use one of these guys. Yeah, I mean, the Carolina offense right now has so many fast weapons at their disposal. You got Cam Newton leading the charge, and he's got the ability to rush for yards as well. So it's, it's really tough for defenses to figure out who to stop on any given play. Uh, the only problem with that is that the Panthers don't have a true number one wide receiver, so they spread the targets around, and that's why Fun just remains in that wide receiver three area. Um, Cam, of course, you're starting every week, as you are with McCaffrey. He's a low-end RB1 with that PPR volume and getting the goal line carries. Um, and then finally, this is why we said to pick up Greg Olson weeks and weeks ago when he was hurt. Uh, when he's healthy, Cam's going to target Olsen all day long and in the end zone. He's a top five fantasy tight end every single week. As for the Pittsburgh Steelers, they came into Baltimore, took care of the NFL's number one defense. Now they get to come home for short week versus Carolina. There should be a ton of offense on both sides of the game. Big Ben's a quarterback one. Antonio Brown's a one. Juju Smith-Schuster's a low-end one. This is another week to watch for Le'Veon Bell. The questions may be answered soon, but as of this recording, he has not reported to Steelers uh, to Steelers facility at all. If he isn't around, Connor stays a running back one this week. He just gave us 24 carries, 107 yards on those carries with seven catches, 50-plus yards, and a touchdown through the air. It's, he's just ridiculous. Well, what's ridiculous is the fact that a lot of people seem to still think that Le'Veon Bell is going to walk into the building and, and you know take over that starting job right away. But at this point, why would the Steelers even start Bell? Connor is playing just as well right now, if not better. Um, he has, the, I believe, the most touchdowns for the Steelers through 10 games, or, or I'm sorry, through eight games. I think he has 10 touchdowns, uh, which is a franchise record. So you know, why would Roethlisberger and Tomlin go right back to Bell right now? Somebody who clearly said he didn't want to be there. Um, honestly, no, I think there's about 7 million reasons why. Right. Um, I mean, but really at, at this point, do you, would you disagree? Because I think that if I owned Le'Veon Bell anywhere, I would try and sell him to the James Conner owner for just about anything. There's really, there's a decent chance that Bell doesn't play a single snap this year at this point. There is a chance those answers will all really come into play in the next couple weeks. Um, if he, uh, So he has to get onto the field by, I think, week 10 in order to qualify the season as a season accrued, or else he's going to be in this exact same boat again next year signing a franchise tag, or not signing a franchise tag, but still owing his... Um, owing his contract to the Steelers, he needs to accrue enough playing time this year to finish off his Steelers contract. So he's going to show up. He, he He's going to show up, and when he shows up, they're going to play him because they signed him to – his franchise tag is for $15 million. So he's still going to make $7 million this year playing with them. And when he gets on the field, he will supplant James Conner. We've seen him. 
We, we've seen James Conner. Yes, he has great games. Yes, he's in a great offense. He's not nearly as good of a player as Le'Veon Bell, and I'll, I'll go to the grave saying that. I do not mind saying that at all. When Bell is back, he's a running back one. I mean, in terms of pure talent, Bell's better, but at, really at this point, you know, Connor knows the play. He's got the rhythm with Roethlisberger. How do you just sub him out like that? I, I think that even when Bell comes back, which, as you said, he does need to in order to accrue that playing time to count as a season this year, um, well, because I, we've I seen think it it's going to be we a committee. Seen it for quite this many games, but Le'Veon Bell t- makes a holdout. You know, he held out a couple games last season. He was out for the uh, substance abuse marijuana, I believe, two seasons ago, and he comes right back in and becomes that running back one. I don't know why we'd expect anything else. See, I disagree. I, I think Connor is going to still hold on to a very large role, if not the lead role. Okay, I, I don't know. Yeah, I, I mean, only time can tell. There's nothing we can do about it. But um, Well, clearly if I own Le'Veon Bell in a league and you own Connor, we would be able to make a deal, wouldn't we? Yeah, we would for fairly cheap, I think. Yeah, so, I mean, pretty much. Well, if, not now. Not now that you know. <laughs> <laughs> right, but essentially if you own Le'Veon Bell in a league, my recommendation is to sell him, and Lois is recommending that you go buy it. Is that correct? Um, well, it also depends on what you're doing in your league. If you're if you're on your last legs, then you've got to sell anything you can to try and eke out a win right now. But if you're doing if you're if you've weathered the storm, you have five, six, seven wins, then there is no reason not to stash them for the chance that you have an easy league winning running back coming back to your roster soon with fresh legs. Yeah, I mean, it all depends on your needs. Uh, it depends on who your other running backs are, and you know if you have needs at wide receiver, tight end, but. I would sell Le'Veon Bell for a, a wide receiver too, or a you know a guy like Olson or Kittle. Nah, I, I just wouldn't do it. Okay, um, well clearly we disagree on that, but what we don't disagree on is you're starting Ben Roethlisberger, you're starting James Conner, and you're starting Antonio Brown, and you're starting Juju Smith-Schuster. You're starting all the all the Pittsburgh Steelers players here at home. Uh, they should be just fine. But that said, I think uh, you know. The Panthers are playing really good ball on offense and defense right now, and I actually think that they can steal a road win on a short week here against the Steelers, maybe a late-game Roethlisberger interception, something along those lines. Oh, wow. See, I actually have Pittsburgh taking care of business at home. Um, home Ben is it's a narrative, but it's a true narrative. Um, one thing I guess we should touch down since tight end has been such garbage. I don't have Vance in my pants this weekend. Jesse James is getting too much time, and uh, the Carolina linebackers pretty much they you know some, they can break free sometimes, but they do a pretty good job of stopping opposing tight ends. Of course, we saw this last week they had a lot of trouble with OJ Howard, but those were short patterns into the flat hard to cover that much lateral space against a top flight athlete like oj howard um vance mcdonald is no oj howard he's not oj howard but he does have some athletic ability and you know i have him as a high-end tight end too even though they're splitting snaps uh you know mcdonald's worth a shot i do think this will be a fairly high scoring game all right uh detroit at chicago Stafford are, sorry are you are you taking the Steelers here then yeah, I said that. Oh, okay. Sorry, I must have missed that. All right. Uh, Detroit at Chicago. Stafford was held to 200 yards and zero touchdowns and gets another matchup against a tough Bears defense. Hopefully with Mac back this week, he's an upside quarterback too. Carryon Johnson is just a low-end running back too after the return of Theo Riddick and having to face the Bears defense, which has allowed, I think, one touchdown to running backs on the season, and that was James White. 
Uh, Theo Riddick returned and saw eight targets, snagging seven catches for 36 yards. Uh, Marvin Jones only went six of eight for 66 to Galladay's three of four for 46. I think they can both be flex plays this week. I was originally thinking twos, and then I really reevaluated what this offense is starting to look like. Um, maybe threes. Yeah, the the Detroit defense really struggled without Golden Tate moving the chains. Uh, you know, there's a lot to be said about guys getting traded away or joining a team midseason. There's a lot of intricacies to how it affects an entire offense. And I actually dropped Matthew Stafford in a league and added Ryan Fitzpatrick for him. Um, I, I personally, I don't think Stafford is going to be more than a high-end quarterback, too, for the rest of the season. He'll have a few nice games here or there, but I, I don't think he's going to be reliable without Tate there. Um, and as you said, both Marvin Jones and Kenny Galladay are, are going to be a little boomer bust. I have them as wide receiver threes this week. Um, and even though Kerry Johnson had a down game, he got just about every single carry for the team. Uh, while Theo Riddick is stealing away the passing down work that would make Kerry on Johnson a true RB1, I do think he still has RB2 potential. Um, and if the Kerry on Johnson owner is worried, then I think this is a guy that, you know, he's a potential running back to try and trade for. Because Riddick filled in more for that, you know, Golden Tate role and got lots of those targets, but he did, really didn't touch the ball on the ground. So Johnson remains in that RB2 category. And of course, we'll talk about Riddick as well in the waiver wire section. He'll be a PPR flex option as long as he's getting that kind of target volume in the passing game. Yeah, I hate to be I hate to be so touchy here, Mung, but I love Carry On Johnson, and he. I don't feel like he dominated the carries here. They couldn't keep possession of the ball. And LeGarrette Blunt had five carries to carry on Johnson. Yes, he had more. He had 12, but 12 to 5 is not 20 to 5. Sure. Um, but at least I'm, I'm saying Theo Riddick isn't eating into that share of work on the ground. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, as for the Bears, they took care of business in Buffalo and gave us basically what we thought. Jordan Howard had a nice day in a game the Bears should have led. 14 carries, 47 yards, and two touchdowns to Cohen's six carries, five yards, with only one catch for eight yards, only two targets. They still are using Cohen late in the game. They still keep throwing, so both do remain running back twos. It's just, you know, Cohen didn't happen to have a good week. He did have opportunities there. Uh, Trubisky is a little further down the list for me this week. Uh, I'm 135 yards needed this week with all the defensive scores, but I think the Bears will need to throw a bit more here, retaining quarterback one upside for sure. It is hard to rely uh, on any of these pass catchers. Burton's a low-end tight end one after another short touchdown this week. But I don't know if Allen Robinson will be back. And if he is, he's probably going to draw Darius Slay all day. And Taylor Gabriel left this game late with an injury. We just have to watch the reports on both this week. If both are healthy, um, then Taylor Gabriel's a flex play. And I think Allen Robinson is still just a flex play as well. Right. Um, going back to the running backs, uh, as you said, there wasn't really a whole lot of work that the offense needed to do, given what the defense was doing uh, to the Bills. Um, I'm, I'm hearing a lot of analysts out there and some Twitter folks saying that you should sell high on Jordan Howard. He's got four touchdowns in three games. It's unsustainable. But I'm actually on the other side of the fence here. All, all the gimmicky plays that Nagy does, all, all the motions that he does pre-snap, that helps Howard when they do run the ball. And they do like using him to punch in those short goal line touchdowns. Uh, they'll have a few trick plays here and there going to Burton, or he'll have Trubisky run it here and there. But honestly, for the most part, they do pound the ball with Jordan Howard when they get in close to the goal line. 
especially with it getting you know starting to get cold and snowy soon uh, we certainly know this living in chicago the bears i think are going to be running howard quite a bit especially if the defense continues to play really well um cleo mack should be returning from that ankle injury sooner rather than later so if you know if the jordan howard owner in your league is looking to sell him with a lot of these you know a lot of this advice from fantasy analysts excuse me I would look to buy him. Uh, I, I think that, you know, these touchdowns can be sustainable. Uh, I think this offense can support both Jordan Howard and Tariq Cohen as RB2s. And again, Detroit's a great rushing matchup this week. So I like both of them. Uh, I like Trubisky as a mid-range quarterback too. With upside here, Howard as a mid-range RB2 and Cohen slightly behind Howard. I don't love either wide receiver. I, I think if he plays Allen Robinson, it's just going to be a wide receiver three. As you said, he, he'll he probably see a lot of Darius Slay. And Gabriel remo- excuse me, remains that boomer bust wide receiver four here. Burton's getting enough work. Uh, he'll be a low-end tight end one with four teams on bye. But he's been still somewhat inconsistent depending on the matchup. Um, I will take Chicago, though, especially if Khalil Mack is back this week. Yeah, give the Chicago Bears at home. Excited for this game. New Orleans at Cincinnati. The Saints got a nice win over the Rams at home, possibly giving them the one seed in the NFC playoffs if things break right for them the rest of the year. Uh, that may be speaking too soon, of course. This is the NFL. Uh, not speaking too soon, though, is calling Breeze a quarterback one in Cincinnati. Uh, Kamara is a rock-solid running back one after 110 yards and three more touchdowns. And Michael Thomas is a wide receiver one after that awesome 200-plus yard day uh, with touchdown and 12 catches. Boy, I wish I'd drafted him, but whatever. Uh, Ingram is a usable flex. He's clearly not getting the run he did last season. He's not going to be a running back one at any point. But he is still there, and he will still get touchdowns. Don't drop him. Traquan Smith has his upside this game versus Cincinnati. The Bengals do their best to bracket wide receiver ones, which may allow a few more targets to come Smith's way. And just when we abandoned him, of course, Ben Watson turned up for three uh, three catches, 62 yards, and a touchdown. I guess he's a fine play. The tight ends have seriously reverted uh, to two to four liable tight ends, depending how you look at it, and then a group of 12 to 15 tight ends. After that, who will give you somewhere between 2 and 15 points, and you don't know what's going to be what on a given week. It's it's really tough. Right, right. We're seeing a lot of inconsistency at tight end this year, but I, I do agree. I, you know, we, we both liked Watson going into the season. He's still boom or bust, but I have him as a high-end tight end, too, in this matchup with the Bengals just getting absolutely torn apart by opposing tight ends. Um, Breeze, Kamara, Thomas, you're locking those guys in as every week fantasy starters. And as much as I like Traquan Smith talent-wise, there's just not that many targets to go around behind Thomas and Kamara. Smith is in that Ted Ginn sort of role, which is going to be yep. a boomer bust flex play. The other guy that is interesting to me is Mark Ingram. Uh, he's had a couple down weeks now, but he's a buy for me if you can trade for him cheap. I do think that the Saints should have the lead in quite a few of their upcoming games. Their defense is starting to come together a little bit. And Ingram's going to be a boom or bust high-end RB3, but he should have some bigger games coming up, so he's a buy for me. As for Cincinnati, they got the bye week to gear up for this juicy matchup. Should be a lot of points scored here. Dalton, a quarterback two with potential, and Joe Mixon is a running back one with tons of pass-catching upside. Just an uber-talented athlete. A.J. Green, unfortunately, is declared out at least two weeks with a toe injury. 
which may hobble him for a good part of the season, which makes Tyler Boyd a wide receiver two with wide receiver one upside this week with New, uh, with New Orleans likely to score a ton of points. Yeah, I, this A.J. Green injury kind of came out of nowhere, and I added Dalton to the waiver wire section when we get there, but I really don't feel great about him even in this good matchup. Um, we've seen Dalton struggle before when A.J. Green is out, and I, would you feel comfortable starting him as a you know as a streaming quarterback option? It, I mean, it really just depends on what we're comparing to or what I have as an alternative. Um, the teams that are on a bye don't really take that many quarterbacks out of play. Let me double check them real quick. Um, yeah, guys like sorry. Keenum and Flacco, you'd be starting Dalton over them. Yeah, it's it's really just uh, Deshaun Watson and Kirk Cousins, and Cousins, you know, has has been a fringe wide receiver or uh, quarterback too, despite his stats on the year. Um, so I, my bet is that I mean I'd be happier with Trubisky than Dalton this week. Mm, yeah, uh, yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> sorry, I lost right, my good. lost my train of thought there. Like I said, it's been a while, but. Uh, I, I do think Boyd should still be fine. I have him as a low-end wide receiver, too, although they may bracket some coverage on him without Green drawing away that uh, defensive attention. So I, I don't think this is going to be a huge blow-up game for Boyd, but I've been wrong before. Um, if you're desperate, I like Cody Core as a boomer bust wide receiver four. Uh, he's gotten a little bit of run in past years filling in that role, and then I know, I know CJ Uzoma got a big fat zero in the last game that they played, uh, but so did Ben Watson prior to this week, and, you know, Uzoma should see a lot of targets with Green and Tyler Croft both out, and then for the same reason, Joe Mixon's ceiling is a little bit reduced um, because I, I do have the whole Cincinnati offense downgraded, but I still do have him as a mid to high end RB2 in PPR. He just gets so much volume in his touches that you know he should still be a fairly safe play uh that said i will take the saints on the road here i too will take the saints uh, and probably to be your one seed heading into the nfc playoffs atlanta at cleveland some exciting news everybody julio jones scored a touchdown for the first time since uh, i think it was week 12 last year Jeez. all right seven catches 10 targets 120 yards and a touchdown and he really had to fight for that touchdown he he caught the ball, ran, had to spit out of a tackle, rip his arm out of the uh, out of the defender's hand, and then fall, uh, get across the goal line. He wasn't certain he was in. He waited for the signal, saw saw the uh, saw the ref's arms go up, and he he was so happy. It's always good to see great players finally pay off, and and the joy that it, it brings to their hearts, and the joy it brings to NFL fans across the globe. This offense. He's a clear wide receiver one. This offense actually had an all-out field today, a rushing touchdown for Edo Smith, two receiving touchdowns for Tevin Coleman, and a big gainer touchdown for Calvin Ridley. Uh, Ridley Sanu are both in the wide receiver three or flex consideration versus Cleveland. Uh, Coleman's a running back two, and Smith remains a decent flex play as well. Plenty of good options on this team who all get plenty of looks. Uh, I guess I said flex a bunch of times. If we're going to rank them in the flex, for me, it goes Edo Smith, then Calvin Ridley, then Sanu for right now. I don't disagree with anything you said here. Uh, my only other note in terms of trade targets would be to try and grab Calvin Ridley. Uh, if you have a good record already in most leagues, Ridley's going to be a bit boomer bust given the nature of Atlanta's offense, but the Falcons do play Arizona and Carolina mm. in weeks 15 and mm. 16 if you happen to make it that far. 
Um, Patrick Peterson and James Bradbury are playing very well. They're going to be tough matchups for Matt Ryan to target Julio a ton on. Of course, Julio will be fine, but I do think that those might be big games for Calvin Ridley uh, in the fantasy playoffs. So just something to keep an eye on, uh, again, if you have more or less locked up a playoff spot. Somebody's looking forward. For the Cleveland Browns, who unfortunately can never look forward, Baker Mayfield was a good stream versus uh, Kansas City. 300 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception, but whatever. Nick Chubb dominated carries 22 for 85 and a touchdown, plus one catch. And with the coaching change, Duke Johnson actually got back on the field, leading the team with nine catches, nine targets, 78 yards, and two touchdowns, all receiving. And he is a legitimate flex play and a possible running back, too, after the coaching change. The offense is completely telegraphed based on the back on the field, but it doesn't matter versus Atlanta, who will allow the yardage in bunches. Joku is a low-end tight end one. Maybe he sees a touchdown this week. Jarvis Landry saw his targets continue, six for seven on 50, and he should be a fine wide receiver, too, here again. Better in PPR always because that yardage never seems to clip much higher than 60. Um, Antonio Callaway has risk-reward upside just due to the matchup here. Yep, I actually like Duke Johnson even more than you do this week. I've got him as a mid-range RB2 with lots of upside. Uh, I think nice. the Browns are going to be playing a lot of catch-up here to Atlanta, and the Falcons really struggle right now tackling and wrapping up players, and they're not great at covering receiving backs. Um, I like Mayfield, again, as a high-end QB2 streamer this week. Uh, Chubb will be a nice high-end RB3 play for me. And I like what you said with the wide receivers and the Joku. Don't have a whole lot to add there. Um, Duke Johnson will be our, our top waiver wire uh, add at running back this week, which we'll get to a bit later. But um, I will take the rejuvenated Atlanta offense here on the road. Yeah, give me the Falcons. Uh, the Cleveland offense looked, you know, different after they got rid of all of their quote-unquote offensive-minded coaches, right? But uh, it's not going to spell any difference in the number of wins in the column. New England at Tennessee. The Patriots took on Green Bay at home without their top two running backs. No Rob Gronkowski and still handled the Packers 31-17. to Hopefully Gronkowski can return this week. If he does, you know I'm starting him and no matter what. Too much talent and size despite any hobbling or annoying injury. They've got rid of HaHa Clinton Dix who probably would have tried to be in his face. Um, I don't know why I said that. That would have been this week. Anyways, uh, <laughs> he, he's had three touchdown days while injured before. We've all seen this. Uh, Brady, the quarterback, one. James White is a one. Two more touchdowns for him this week. And if Sony Michelle can get healthy, Corder, uh, can't get healthy, Cordero Patterson is a solid flex consideration. He would stand to get uh, more looks this game if the Pats get ahead early. 11 carries, 61 yards, and a touchdown this week. Though if Michelle is healthy, Michelle returns immediately to running back one status. I, I really love this kid's talent. Edelman is a solid PPR wide receiver, too. Also, will start, also startable in standard, of course. And Josh Gordon is here to stay. Keep Hogan and Dorsett on the bench. Though Tennessee is stingy with wide receivers and Belichick has a billion other ways to win this week, Gordon has the upside in the flex. Um, as we've, uh, Sonny Michelle is likely to play this week, so keep all of that in mind. Yeah, we, you know, we got that good news fairly recently. Um, I, I guess it's good news in the sense that uh, if you're a Gronk owner, that the Patriots play at noon this week, so if the, he is out <laughs> yeah. again, you can bench him oh, early. Um, that's killer. Yeah, uh, I mean, I know that I I benched Gronk early because it, it sounded like he was doubtful to play. Um, who knows? Uh, you know, he's he's fighting those back and ankle injuries. They've been nagging him all season. So 
Uh, I do agree yeah. that if he's active, he's still a tight end one that you would likely start. Um, the re- name of the game is plan ahead here, though, on these late games. It doesn't matter if it's Gronk or some other player. I had fully intended to move him out of my lineup and, and grab another tight end. And then, unfortunately, life happens sometimes. So I was completely uh, unable to do that. It was unavoidable. And I got a nice big zero spot out of my tight end. So plan ahead. You never know what sort of things might come across your day. Yeah, and you know maybe you got lucky enough to add Kittle or Olsen off the waiver wire early in the season, but you know outside of the top five guys, you're still starting Gronk. Oh yeah. Um, and the, you know the only bad news here is that Tennessee has given up the fewest points to opposing t- fantasy tight ends thus far in the season, but uh, it's a little deceiving. Uh, most of the teams they've played don't really have a true receiving tight end one in their passing offenses. Um, so it's reassuring that, you know, Zach Ertz did have 10 catches for 112 yards against the Titans in week four. Uh, you know, that's why if Gronk does play, as we said, we're starting him. Um, you know, I, I don't love Tom Brady here. Uh, he's a quarterback one, but just a low end quarterback one for me. He hasn't had many good weeks in, in the recent past. And the Tennessee defense is playing pretty well, uh, especially with Mike Vrabel uh, likely ready for a few of Belichick's tricks after all of his years as a Patriot. So for me, uh, I don't love Brady this week. I do think they're going to run the ball quite a bit. Uh, I like James White as a low-end RB1, high-end RB2, uh, you know, really regardless of whether Sh- excuse me, Sony Michelle plays. Uh, but I do like Michelle as a mid-range RB2 if he's active. I, I don't I'm not quite as high on him as you are as an RB1, uh, even if he plays, just because, you know, they may have him on a snap count coming back in his first game. You know, he's had knee issues in the past, so they may try to ease him back into this offense. Uh, I I like Edelman and Josh Gordon both as low-end wide receiver twos in this matchup. Uh, and you know, one of the other trade targets maybe is you could buy low on Michelle with that knee injury. Maybe their owner is concerned that he's going to hurt again, but, uh, obviously that would have been better advice, uh, prior to this news that he might play this week. <laughs> All fair points. And tonight we're going to see, I mean, if you're, if you're watching Monday night football, we're going to see what the Titans did with their time left. Uh, I'm not expecting to be, to be impressed. Yes. They've been a stingy defense thus far. I don't even know that I'm looking for that to continue. I'm not really intrigued by the Vrabel Belichick storyline. I think this is a team that's going to fade hard and fast in the second half as they try and make their push for a top five pick. Uh, as for the offense, it's really just Deion Lewis as a possible flex. Tennessee will need to keep up. He's their most consistent option, even though he hasn't been that lately. Hold Corey Davis on your bench just in case he can get something together with Mariota. Yeah, I don't love any Titans player in fantasy this week. I think it's going to be a little bit of a slugfest, a lot of a lot of rushing, uh, not a whole lot of scoring. I'd probably avoid Mariota. Um, Derrick Henry just a desperation RB4. Really, it's just Deion Lewis who might be a low-end flex play. Uh, he might get a few catches for big gains. Uh, this is a revenge game for him. And uh, Corey Davis, uh, you know, he's probably going to see a lot of coverage from Stephon Gilmore and just a desperation wide receiver four. But, you know, some upside for a touchdown. He did he did uh, do well against the Patriots in the playoffs last week. Or, excuse me, last year. <laughs> Um, speaking of, uh, you know, tough defenses, the, the Cowboys defense really, uh, really wrecking the Titans here, huh? Uh, I actually couldn't get my, uh, my ESPN watch to load, so I don't know what's going on. Oh, well, uh, they just, they just fumbled it again and Dallas just recovered for, 
No. Yeah. I so, don't need to hear that. So not good for your uh, don't need that many points from Dallas defense. Uh-oh. Well, all right. Anyways, we'll see how we'll we'll give updates on that further in the podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um. And then you know, if you're in a really deep league, Tajay Sharp might be worth a look. Uh, his targets were trending up in the weeks prior to the Titans buy. We'll see how he does tonight. So, uh, just a guy to keep an eye on. But give me New England here. Yeah, I will lock in the Patriots as well. Jacksonville at Indianapolis. Jacksonville gets a great matchup here, but we don't know who the quarterback will be for sure, uh, if it even matters. I'm avoiding the wide receivers if possible, despite this great matchup. If it really comes to it and you need somebody, Dante Moncrief, I think, is the best choice. I'm anxious to see if Fournette is ready for this game, though. This may be the start of weekly running back one stats if he's healthy. I'm praying. I'm hoping. I'm a big Fournette guy. You know, for his whole career, let's 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 get this done, Lenny. Come on. Yeah, unfortunately, I again, as with Sony Michelle, I'm not quite as optimistic as you are on Leonard Fournette. Um, it does sound like Blake Bortles was able to throw in practice and is likely to start this week. Uh, the injury to his shoulder was his non-throwing shoulder, so sounds fine. Um, and then, you know, it sounds like it's good news for Fournette owners. Uh, he was able to do individual drills today for the first time in about a month. And assuming Fournette plays, I like him as a mid-range RB2, kind of where I have Sony Michelle. Um, again, I don't fully trust either of these guys as an RB1 until we see them play a full game. Uh, you know, we know that they they traded for Carlos Hyde. That they may be concerned that Fournette can't stay healthy, and if that's the case, I think Hyde and Yeldon are going to steal away some touches even when he is active. And you know, I just I want to see it first. You know, if he gets a bell cow workload this week then I'll have him right back as an RB1 next week. Um, as you said, I prefer Dante Moncrief out of the Jackson at Jacksonville wide receivers, but it's a committee there. There's no true number one, number two. They're all going to be boomer bust wide receiver fours here. Um, yeah, that's all I got for the Jaguars. Yeah, I should clarify. I don't think it's going to be the return of running back one stats, but it may be, and I'm hoping, but I, I – I think more like what we're going to see is some Carlos Hyde, some, some TJ Yeldon, and a splash, splashing sprinkle of Leonard Fournette. I, I just, this is a great, great matchup, but just a, an unlucky week to have uh, Jacksonville in such a great matchup. As for the Indianapolis Colts, Indy gets a week to prepare, but this defense is pretty tough. T.Y. Hilton's a wide receiver, too. Marlon Mack's running back, too, in another game where he should dominate. Uh, touches here. Andrew Luck has been getting it done as of late and is a uh, low one quarterback one based on his talent. I'd shy away from the other wide receivers. If Luck is going to put up numbers, it will be on the inside and to the tight ends. So Ebron remains a tight end one and Doyle a high end tight end two if you need it. Uh, there's a lot I disagree with you on here uh, for the on the Colts right. side. Um, I, I think Luck is startable, but uh, I have him as just a mid-range QB two. Um, you got so many quarterback options this week with good matchups. I don't love him here. Um, you know that offensive line has kept him clean for a few games now, but you know Jacksonville is a whole different different story, fresh off of bye, especially. Um, you know, I think Hilton's going to see tough matchup too. I've got him just as a low-end wide receiver too. And Mac, I have just a high-end RB3 or flex play in a tough matchup here. Um, and then for the tight ends too, I prefer Jack Doyle over Eric Ebron. I think both of them are going to be high-end tight end twos here given the state of the position right now. But I do think that Doyle gets a little bit more volume even if Ebron gets, you know, those red zone targets 
um, overall, Doyle gets red zone targets and between the 20s. So I do still prefer him by a little bit. Uh, but obviously, the, the presence of both of them on the field there uh, does, uh, you know, lower Ebron's ceiling quite a bit. Uh, I think this is going to be a low-scoring game, honestly. A, a lot of rushing, running on the ground. I don't think Jacksonville wants portals to throw it a ton. And I don't think that, you know, Frank Reich and the Colts want luck to take too many chances and get hurt. So uh, I, I will take mm, – I'll take the Colts here at home. But I, I think luck's going to have at least a pick or two. Yeah, this, this is this is a, a tough one for me. Um I really don't know what I think is going to happen this game. Um, and so many things could lead to so many other things. Bortles can give the game away, but that Indianapolis defense is just so, so bad. Um, hey, they stopped the Raiders. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, that's true. Um, I'm going to defer to the home team and, and take Indianapolis, though it doesn't feel good in my stomach. Okay, yeah, so you wouldn't put monies on it? No, no, not remote. I think this has to be the closest game of the week. Yeah, one of them. Yeah, it's like two and a half. Yeah, so Indianapolis, but but there is no confidence in that whatsoever. Uh, Arizona at Kansas City. Arizona gets the week by to get their offense ready, but it's not going to be enough. Uh, I'm avoiding Josh Rosen. There's better options. But Larry and Kirk both make for decent upside flex plays here. Uh, David Johnson should have the opportunity, opportunity, of course, for a running back one week here. But if they can't get anything uh, together, then then they're all going to tank you. But I, I think the upside here exists versus Kansas City. Yeah, you know, I, I made a note that both Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk should be, you know, trade targets here. Um, if you think that the Cardinals offense can get it going a little bit in the second half of the season, then it stands to reason that, you know, they'll be, what, wide receiver threes with upside to be wide receiver twos, maybe sure. more. Um, so I, I do like them both as wide receiver threes with a lot of upside here because it should be a shootout. Uh, there's going to be a lot of catching up to do to Mahomes and company. So I, I like both of those wide receivers, and I like Johnson as a mid-range RB too. Uh, for Kansas City, 37 more points for the Chiefs. Uh, I don't know what you really want me to tell you. Mahomes is a top-five quarterback. Hunt is a top-five running back. Kelsey is a top-two tight end. Hill had a down day, four for five, 69 yards, still a wide receiver one. And it's good to see we have nothing to fear with his groin strain last week. Sammy Watkins is a solid flex with wide receiver two upside, five of five for 62 this week. Set him and forget him. Yep, I literally have nothing to add other than I was so very wrong on Kareem Hunt. Uh, (laughs) (laughs) uh, I mean, you're starting Mahomes, Hunt, Hill, Kelsey every single week. Give me the Chiefs. Give me the Chiefs. Do you think Chris Connolly is worth a hold at all, just in case something happens with one of these receivers? I know in seasons past we had talked about having a handcuffed wide receiver for the Packers. I think this is the only team we could consider this, but I don't, I don't know if Connolly's quite good enough to, to consider it. Um, well, there's the caveat, right? Because I think Tyreek Hill's so dyna- dynamic that there really is no handcuff for him. I think really, I think Travis Kelsey would be the beneficiary if Hill were out. I think he'd get even more target volume than he has now. Um, I think, you know, 
Demetrius Harris would get some run. I, I think, you know, the other wide receivers, I don't think Conley would be more than like a wide receiver three. Okay. What if Watkins went down? Same idea? Yeah, probably. Yeah, probably. I mean, if, if, if anything, I think it would help Watkins more than Conley. I, I think Watkins would step into that hill roll, and then Conley would step no, into No, if, if Watkins went down, that oh. wouldn't help Watkins at all. <laughs> oh, I thought you were talking about if Tyree Kill went down. Right, I, I was talking, I was, I yeah, you covered the hill, and then I was thinking, well, what if Watkins got hurt? Because then he would slot into that other side, but it would probably be shared time, and you're right, it probably would just be more touches for Hunt and for... Uh, and for Kelsey, and heck, with their upcoming schedule, probably even Spencer Ware. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you were talking about a wide receiver handcuff here, but I think Spencer Ware is the bigger handcuff for this team because he's playing really well, and he would step into yeah. that Kareem Hunt role if anything were to happen to Hunt. Yeah, with this with this upcoming schedule, if they keep – I mean, they're seeing teams like Arizona. Now they're getting to an easy stretch of schedule. We might start to see some Austin Eckler-type usage for Spencer Ware, but you know, I'm not going too crazy adding – uh, you know that's that's not a terrible thought. I think in deeper leagues, he's you know Ware's probably going to be a, a running back three or flex play for you know like you said the games where they're going to be lead by multiple scores and they want to preserve Hunt for the playoff run. Well, I guess we found a lot to talk about for Kansas City. Uh, give me the Chiefs. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, apparently so. Uh, Buffalo at the New York Jets. Buffalo just looks bad and maybe missing Chris Ivory who left late. Uh, Kelvin Benjamin runs poor routes, puts the ball on the ground and leaves his quarterback out to dry. Um, and LaShawn McCoy was bottled up by the bears. He should be okay as a running back too here versus the jets, but that is it. That is all. Oh, uh, Charles Clay is injured too. Derek Anderson may or may not return from the concussion this week, but I don't know that it really matters. Uh, neither he nor Peterman have played very well. Uh, the only Bills player, as you said, I'd start in fantasy is LaShawn McCoy. I'm a little lower on him. I've got him as a high-end RB3, but, you know, that's semantics here. Uh, he'll get the volume in the, in the passing game to keep him viable in PPR, but uh, that's really about it. <laughs> let's uh, let's move on to the Jets side here. Gang Green, the New York Jets mustered all of six points versus Miami. See why I said to avoid him? Four interceptions for Sam Darnold. 13 for uh, 49 with one catch for uh, 13 uh, uh, rushes, 49 yards with one catch for Crowell, who's running back three. And Elijah McGuire saw some action, who he did talk about. Six carries, 23 yards on the ground with three for five, 37 yards receiving. And I think he is definitely worth a dynasty stash, maybe a deep, uh, deep redraft league stash as well. Things can only get better for him, right? Uh, the ball was spread around pretty ineffectively. The top performer was Quincy Anunwa, three catches, 40 yards. Buffalo's secondary is going to give Darnold some trouble this game too, though. I actually think, um, you know, the wide receivers all, you know, got split targets. But I think if there's one guy here that's kind of interesting, it's Chris Herndon. Um, I actually hey. started him this past week with Gronk out in the league. He's He got double-digit PPR points and... That's not terrible for, you know, the state of tight end this year. Um, Herndon's been playing well. Uh, still not getting a ton of snaps per game, but Darnold seems to have chemistry with him, particularly in the red zone. And we saw Trey Burton snag a short touchdown against the Bills this past week, so why not Herndon? Um, I think he's an interesting streaming tight end, tight end two option this, this week. Uh, and then I, I do like uh, the Jets as a streaming defense if they're out there. You know, regardless of who starts at quarterback for the Bills, they're probably going to turn the ball over at least once or twice. Um, 
I think the defense is going to win this, this game for the Jets by a slight margin if Darnold can just play slightly better than Peterman or Derek Anderson. So I'll take the Jets here. I'm going to take the Jets here. It may be close like that, but let's not forget the Jets do have this weird penchant of throwing 40 points on the board too, right? Uh, I mean, yeah, but I guess it depends predicting when <laughs> that's going to happen. It's a long shot. It's a long shot, but I, I – I do. I think the Jets will win, whether it's close or far. Uh, Washington at Tampa Bay. The Falcons had a plan, which was to eliminate Adrian Peterson, holding him to, to nine carries, 17 yards only, as Alex Smith threw for 300 yards but couldn't get it done. Smart play, guys. Tampa's rushing defense stinks, though, and I expect a fine running back today for AP. Capri Bibbs did steal a goal line touchdown, which I think had a lot more to do with making the defense worry about a pass play and sneaking in an end-around touchdown. Don't bite on Bibbs or Perrine. Josh Doxson actually had a nice game versus the bad Falcons secondary. Three catches, six targets, 31 yards, and a touchdown. He won one of those 50-50 balls. As the slot receiver, Mo Harris, uh, had the great day. Ten, car- 10 catches, 12 targets, 124 yards. He had a big game earlier this season, and he is a flex consideration in what should be another big week for air yardage for this team. And just when you think he can have a nice day for Jordan Reed, Vernon Davis comes and steals his thunder. That just stinks because you're you're not starting Davis and you're hoping Reed gets targets uh, as a low-end tight end one, but it's it's really tough to rely on anything for this Washington team. Yeah, there's um, just terrible news for Washington uh, this week because the left guard, Sean Lavau, he tore his ACL, and the right guard, Brandon Scherf, tore oh. his pectoral muscle. Um, oh so both gosh. of those guys are going to be done. Uh, and then their, their left tackle um, well, dislocated. I <laughs> yeah, I was going to say that news came out recently, so um, that will probably change your perspective a little bit. Um, and then, of course, they are already without their left tackle, Trent Williams, who dislocated his thumb. Uh, he's going to be out for a few more weeks. And then their right tackle played through the game, but he sprained his MCL, probably not going to be 100% for a while. Uh, so this offensive line is going to be very rough for Alex Smith and Adrian Peterson. Um, I, I don't think too All many. All that said, they are still first in the East. <laughs> for now. Um, what a ridiculous division. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, if Dallas can win, I mean, they trade for Mari Cooper because they think they can win the East, and it's certainly possible given how the Giants are playing and – you know, it's really it's really the Eagles and the Cowboys, I think, even though Washington, you know. Wow. Uh, yeah, so uh, I don't think too many people are relying on Alex Smith, but I think if you're an Adrian Peterson owner, I would look to trade him uh, pretty quickly because I think if somebody thinks it was just one down game for him against Atlanta, there might be more of those coming for him uh, if he has no one to block for him. Uh, they're basically relying on their second string offensive line at this point. <laughs> Um, well, that's frustrating. Yeah, I, I, I know. Are you, we done with this team yet? <laughs> I, I, I know that's bad for you too, because I know you just trade for him in a league I, that we're I in. I just did. Yeah, that, um, uh, that's not going to work out so hard for me. <laughs> yeah, so I, you know, even though the, on paper this is a decent matchup against Tampa Bay, I, I just have Peterson as a flex play. Um, and then Jordan Jordan Reed, he hasn't had a double digit, you know, game in PPR since week one. So even against Tampa Bay, I, he's just a high-end tight end, too, for me until we see something from this passing offense. Um, and then Paul Richardson, we found out he's out for the season with a shoulder injury. 
This is just bad news for the Redskins. And I, I think if anyone wins here, it's Maurice Harris <laughs> because yep. Alex yep. Smith needs to dump it off a ton now. He's not going to have any time to throw. So Harris is probably going to get a lot of those short slants and hook routes. Um, I guess Josh Dock. Until Jamison Crowder takes his uh, slot stop, uh, slot spot back. Right. Um, but for now, it sounds like Crowder's still hurt. He's been out for yeah. weeks and weeks, as has been Chris Thompson. So they're dealing with just injuries across the board here. Um, Harris and Josh Doxson are both wide receiver fours, but man, I hope you don't have to rely on starting on starting either of those guys. And then Tampa Bay has a decent pass rush, so even though their secondary is not great, uh, I don't love Alex Smith here, just a mid-range QB2. All these bad passing attacks getting these awesome matchups this week. Uh, Ryan Fitzmagic did return to the tune of 20-plus fantasy points. The guy's just a fantasy machine, has a good upside again this week. Somehow, it wasn't through Evans and Jackson, but I think that's more anomalous. And Adam Humphreys converted two nights touchdowns as well, which affected the other's production, of course. The running backs were predictable, though. Peyton Barber was ineffective as always, 11 for 31 with two catches, and a running back three week to week. O.J. Howard is a tight end one. I didn't mention that earlier. Yeah, so I think I texted, was it you or someone else, uh, that I reluctantly benched Kirk Cousins for Ryan Fitzpatrick this week in a league? Yeah, you did. Yep. Um, I, and you know what? I'm I'm glad I did because I think yeah. as long as he's starting, Fitzpatrick is a risk-reward low-end QB1 with high weekly upside. I mean, the weapons that he's got around him and Todd Mockin is calling great plays for them. Um, in fact, I think I mentioned earlier, I dropped Matt Stafford for Fitzpatrick in that same league. So, um, I really do think that Fitzpatrick's going to be a top 10 or so quarterback for the rest of the season. Uh, would you agree with that? I agree. I think he, in terms of fantasy player, he is identical to Jameis Winston. Um, and the the only problem is you don't know who's going to get benched for who in any given week. Yeah, but I mean, I do think that, you know, uh, the Tampa Bay coaching staff's trying to save their jobs, and I think that Fitzpatrick gives them a better chance to win because even though he's going to throw some picks, he's not going to throw super dumb picks like James Winston where, you know, he's throwing it right to a defender. Yeah, uh, true. I, I mean, for so as long as Fitzpatrick keeps it going, you, you throw him out there, you roll him out there and start him. Just know that you better be ready at the drop of a hat to, to drop him and pick up James Winston again. Yeah, but, I mean, really, they're interchangeable, as you said, yep. um, except that Fitzpatrick looks better and uh, throws a few less interceptions. So you really don't want I don't know. James Winston's a pretty handsome guy. Oh, man, but he doesn't have the Conor McGregor swag. He, he might. He could <laughs> if he grows a beard or something. Maybe, but uh, regardless here, uh, you don't want the Buccaneers <laughs> running backs. Um and then no. even after a terrible game, I'm going right back to Mike Evans as a low-end wide receiver one. Um, yeah. He saw 10 targets. He's going to keep seeing that many. Uh, and then don't forget that Julio Jones just dominated Washington's secondary. Uh, you know, Mike Evans is not Julio Jones, but he's still very good. Uh, likewise, Deshaun Jackson should bounce back here. Uh, I like him as a boomer bust wide receiver three this week, a little bit more boom. And then Adam Humphreys is worth mentioning as a wide receiver four option. He's kind of like that Danny Amendola. He's been playing Chris Godwin in the slot here. And yes, OJ Howard, you're starting as a mid-range tight end one play. Where, I mean, I was going to take Washington until the offensive line news came out. So I'm, I'm going to flip here and I'm going to take uh, Tampa Bay at home. Yeah, I'm, I'm going to take Tampa. I, I just think that they're they're uh, 
that that passing attack is just a little much for for uh, Washington to sort try and keep up with. Well, I mean, what's, LA... what's going to happen is you know they're going to go up by like one score, and then Alex Smith is going to throw for three yards when he needs eight, and then he's going <laughs> to yep. throw for three yards when he needs six, and then yep. he's going to get sacked, and he's going to throw for five yards when he needs twelve. So, yep, yeah, that that sounds about right. Yeah. <laughs> The L.A. Chargers at the Oakland Raiders kicking off the 4 o'clock Eastern game. The Chargers took out the Seahawks on the road behind two touchdowns of Phillip Rivers, who is a nice streaming option versus Oakland this week. Melvin Gordon's 125 yards and a touchdown, and Keenan Allen, who woke up to the start of the second half of their season with six catches, 10, uh, 10 targets, and 124 yards. I hope you all bought low on the wide receiver one if you had the chance earlier this season. There is a chance that Austin Eckler sees legitimate work here as L.A. should get up big on Oakland and try to get Gordon some second-half rest. That is something that this team does do, adding rushes and receptions for Eckler, as we've seen in the past. I'd avoid the rest of the pass catchers, though, even though they did each get uh, the touchdown apiece. They're, they're not seeing more than about three targets apiece. Um, that's, that's about where they're sitting. Yeah, both of the Williamses are uh, just desperation boomer bust wide receiver fours. Um, yeah, and, you know, shouldn't need them much this week, right? But you, well, I mean, I, I'm I'm actually on the other side here. I, I think Oakland secondary is going to give up some big plays because Oakland has just given up. So, yeah. I, I don't hate Tyrell Williams if if you need to start him in a maybe a deeper league or if all your guys are on bye. I think he's got high upside as a wide receiver four. Um, sure. You're starting Rivers, you're starting Gordon, you're starting Allen. And as you said, I think Eckler is a decent flex for RB3 start, uh, assuming that the Chargers go up by a lot of points in this game. Uh, the final note from me here is that Hunter Henry could be activated in a few weeks coming off of the IR. Um, he's recovering from that torn ACL, and while Gordon and Keenan Allen are going to keep dominating the touches here, Henry could have some tight end one potential if he sees even five or six targets per game once he's back. So remember, he did tear the ACL in May, and we've seen some early comebacks from the ACL tears. He is a very good player. Um, yeah, it's worth a stash since you can get him for free. Uh, this is, there's just so many mouths to feed on this offense. Yeah, but I mean, that's you know that's what we said about Greg Olson. Uh, there there aren't that many tight ends out there who have the ability to be these tight end ones like Hunter Henry and Greg True. Olson. True. Um, as for the Oakland Raiders, I, I told you not to trust Derek Carr. Good Lord, this offense is awful. Uh, on the ground, Doug Martin had 11 carries, 49 yards, but I'm not interested in him on an offense that is not scoring many points here. Jalen Richard is a PPR running back three or flex. Only two carries this game with only four catches in 45 yards, but that led the team in targets, catches, and yardage this game. Uh, Jared Cook is a low-end tight end one, and with the way this team looks, the wide receivers are not worth owning. Um, this week's top performance was two catches, 29 yards for Martavis Bryant. Really not much to say here. Um, Jared Cook, I, I like as a low-end tight end one, high-end tight end two, but he's got an uphill battle just given the state of this offense. Uh, Richard, uh, you know, PBR flex play. If you think they're going to trail a lot, he might get a lot of checkdowns. And then I guess Jordy Nelson's maybe a wide receiver five if, you know, they run a lot of short slants with him. Uh, yeah, yeah, man, I'll, I'll take the Chargers by a lot here. I too will take the Chargers. Miami at Green Bay, 430 Eastern. The Dolphins beat the Jets 13 to 6, which I doubt excites anyone not living in Miami. The offense just won't help you much in fantasy. 
Gore was 20 carries for 53 yards, remains a touchdown dependent low-end flex. Drake just three carries, nine yards with four of six, 26 yards through the air. At least he catches the ball, and he has the upside here, uh, if you want to call it that. Devontae Parker predictably disappeared. One catch on two targets for eight yards. I hope you didn't pay up for him. Danny Amendola is the only wide receiver to start and is only a PPR only flex consideration. Yep. Gore, Drake, Amendola, if you're desperate. Uh, yeah, that's about it. On to the Packers here. Aaron Rodgers will be fine at home here versus Miami. Devontae Adams is a wide receiver one, six catches, 40 yards, and the touchdown on the day on nine targets. I was technically wrong putting Cobb ahead of Valdez Scandling, five catches on six targets for 24 yards versus three catches on the six targets for 101 for Valdez Scandling. You can play that game in your flex if you want, but I'd rather avoid it. I'd also still stick with Cobb right now if I have to make the choice again, but it's getting close, and Valdez Scandling is actually looking pretty good he uh was really off the radar even in dynasty leagues with people looking to uh equanimia st brown and uh jamon moore but velda scandling has, has really outplayed all of them uh the real key though to this game is aaron jones taking 14 carries for 76 yards with four targets to jamal williams seven carries 34 yards with two targets precisely two-thirds of the running back workload and he's looking like the guy more and more we may see his looks creep more towards 70 percent this week as the packers look to rush more versus the dolphins he's a running back too here in the same vein of guys like lamar miller um, marlon mack maybe not this week you know ap that sort of player but i i like him better than all of them right now yeah, I like Valdez Scantling a lot. Um, Cobb has been, for lack of a better word, just terrible. He gets no separation. He's dropped quite a few balls this season. Uh, I'd much rather have Marcus Valdez Scantling, and I actually think he's a wide receiver three flex play here every week. Um, he's the second best wide receiver in Green Bay behind Adams, especially with the news today that Geronimo Allison's groin injury is a bit more serious than they expected, probably going to be out a couple weeks. Um you're starting Rodgers and Adams, of course. And, you know, we'll see if Mike McCarthy makes a dumb decision. <laughs> Go back to Jamal Williams after Aaron Jones fumbled there late in the fourth. But I still prefer Jones, uh, as you do. Um, I have him as a low-end RB2 against Miami, one of the worst run defenses in the league. Uh, Williams, uh, he'll be a desperation RB4 with low upside here. You're hoping he steals a touchdown, something along those lines. And Graham still low on tight end one with that consistent but unexciting usage here. Um, in terms of trade targets here, I think there are a couple. Uh, if you can grab Aaron Jones or Valdez Scantling on the cheap, I would do that. Uh, I do think this Packers offense can get better if McCarthy or their next coach uh, actually uses these young guys properly. So something to keep in mind if their owners aren't uh if they just picked up jones and valdez scantling on the waiver wire and aren't particularly high on them give me green bay at home yeah i'll take the packers as well though i always root for a loss seattle at the la rams Wilson putting together a near 20 point day he has that weekly upside uh this is a very tough test versus the rams but he's usually up to the challenge from a production standpoint honestly Chris Carson pulled out of the game with a leg issue, and Mike Davis got most of the run here. I try to avoid this backfield versus the Rams in favor of Doug Baldwin, who returned to form four catches, 77 yards. Should get a few more looks here. Uh, Lockett and Moore remain mere flex options in a very tough matchup. Uh, this week made it look like Nick Vanette was the clear uh, tight end to own from this team, but 
that can flip at any time, and hopefully that isn't a relevant decision to make for your team regardless. Yeah, we mentioned uh, a few weeks ago that Russell Wilson generally heats up as the season continues, and this offensive line is getting more cohesive with Tom Cable coaching them. Um, I like Wilson as a mid-range quarterback one with upside this week in what should be a fairly high-scoring game. And depending on Chris Carson's hip or leg injury, uh, Mike Davis could be worth a look as an RB2 start if Carson is out. Uh, and if Carson plays, then I prefer him, obviously, as an RB2. Uh, I don't love Baldwin like you do uh, in the slot. Uh, he's got a tough matchup against Nickel Roby Coleman. I actually think that the outside might be a little bit easier for Wilson to throw to this week. Um, Lockett gets a touchdown here, I think, uh, with the outside corners really not playing well for the Rams. Uh, you know, he's not Michael Thomas, but uh, you know they made a lot of mistakes in the secondary. So. And then with David Moore, uh, he barely missed a touchdown on a tipped ball on the last play of the game that could have tied it up uh, against the Chargers. Um, Moore's in play as well as a boomer bust wide receiver four. Uh, I would rank them as follows of the wide receivers. Uh, I prefer Lockett out of the three as a low-end wide receiver three. I've got Baldwin as a high-end wide receiver four flex play. And I've got Moore as a boomer bust wide receiver four. Um I don't mind Fanet as a tight end two streamer this week after Ben Watson tore up the Rams linebackers, but uh, you know he's definitely a risk reward play. I wouldn't rely on him if I had to. And then trade target wise, uh, if you can buy Tyler Lockett for cheap, uh, maybe for you know like a Latavius Murray to the Dalvin Cook owner or so, you know someone that you're not starting here. Uh, I'd grab him. I do think the Seahawks passing attack is getting better as the second half of the season goes on. Uh, and they do have some good passing game matchups in the coming weeks here. As for the Rams, they had a tough loss in the New, in the New Orleans shootout. But these offenses could really go either way. Uh, they will look to lay the smack down on the rival Seahawks at home here. Goff is a quarterback one. Three more passing touchdowns this week. The only downside to him is how well Ted Gurley can pick up touchdowns on his own. Honestly, he could have a five touchdown week and leave Goff with a zero. There's always that. There's always that chance. Usually, we talk about like quarterback twos with upside uh, with upside reward. Goff is like a solid quarterback one with with like quarterback two downside just because of how good uh, Gurley is. Uh, Gurley's the top running back again this week, uh, though just a humble 68 yards and a touchdown versus New Orleans. Cooper Cup is back and good as ever to round out the talented wide receiver trio. Cooks is a wide receiver one and Woods and Cup both solid wide receiver twos. 23, 12, and 20 points for each of them this week. It's it's just not fair. Yeah. Todd Gurley had the worst game of the year so far for him. Uh, he didn't get to 20 PPR points for the first time this <laughs> season. Uh, if you're a Gurley owner and you're complaining about 17 points, just get out. Uh, you're starting Please. Gurley. You're starting Go Goff. Um, you're starting all the wide receivers, although Seattle secondary has been playing quite well. Um, I still like Cooks and Cup both as mid-range wide receiver twos, and I have Woods as a high and wide receiver three. Um, the only problem with these guys is it's a little bit tough to you know figure out who's going to score the touchdown any given week, but you certainly like all three of them. And then one other note here. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on this, Los. Um, the Rams' defense, they, they were a big name coming into the season, and despite a lot of big names like Aaron Donald and Marcus Peters, and they haven't scored double-digit fantasy points since week three. They scored one point against the Seahawks the last time they played, and the Rams defense play Kansas City next week, and then they have their bye the week after that. 
In my opinion, I think the Rams' defense is droppable if you need wins now, and you can re-add them after their bye. Maybe they rest up, scheme some stuff up during their bye week, but for now, I think you can drop them. Do you disagree? Mm, it really depends on what's sitting there, because some it really depends on your league. Like, if there's something that's sitting there that's a no-brainer, you know, okay, this is an awesome matchup start, then yeah, go ahead and do it, like... So you what know, if what if Buffalo the what if the but, Jets but, but the, defense? Um, what about the the Chargers defense? They're both owned in you know less than fifty percent of leagues. Oh yeah, I'd, I'd take the Chargers defense over them right now for sure. But this is more. I mean, this is this is more just a demonstration of why you don't waste draft picks on defenses. The LA Rams, from name value, like you said, should be the the greatest defense since you know maybe the '85 Bears. I mean, that's hyperbole, of course, but. They're clearly not playing like it, and they're clearly, whether they're playing like it or not, they're not giving you the fantasy production you want, and that's really all that matters at the end of the day. Yeah, I'd say right now the Bears defense is the best since the 85 Bears. <laughs> they absolutely are. Go Bears. <laughs> um, You're taking the Rams here, yeah? Oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, Dallas at Philadelphia Sunday Night Football. Dallas keeps getting primetime games. I'm not really certain why. It might have more to do with getting Tony Romo on TV. Uh, regardless, we're going to see the new-look Dallas offense with Amari Cooper, who already has a touchdown and two catches, I guess. Uh, unless anything looks drastically different, I, I really only want Zeke. Hold on to Cooper for now. Yeah, Prescott has played well the last couple of games, but he's been up and down here tonight. Um, Cooper should help open up the passing game a little bit in theory. Uh, he's already got a touchdown, so maybe it's signs of better days to come for Cooper. Um, but I like Prescott as a mid-range quarterback, too, with upside against Philadelphia. Um, of course, you're starting Zeke as an RB1. And I think Cooper's a boomer bust flex. Uh, you can start him depending on your options. But again, we just we haven't seen exactly how Dallas is going to use him. But we have seen that he should get a lot of target volume, at least. So... Um, he's worth the flex play. And then we'll see tonight, too, how Cole Beasley looks. Uh, he may or may not benefit a little bit from the coverage shifting towards Cooper, but I don't think we've seen a whole lot of Beasley just yet tonight. Yeah, it's it's too early to tell, honestly. We've got a whole half, and, you know, two quarters and a half of football, so so we should know a little more. If, if Cooper, Cooper has four targets right now, if he turns out and has, you know, 14 targets or something crazy like that, then, yeah, he's a wide receiver, too. Even then, I don't know if I'd trust it, but he'd be a, a wide receiver three. I, I would, I would, I wouldn't go well, that I'm just, far. I'm just not afraid of the, I'm just not afraid of these Philly corners on him. To be honest, they've been they've been giving up a ton. Yeah, but at the same time, it seems like Cooper just is completely unable to shake off press coverage. So, you know, we'll see. Uh, we have, I think it's too soon to say whether he's a bust, but uh, he certainly struggled. We'll say that much. Yes, sir. Uh, the Phil the Philadelphia Eagles on their bye, they uh, they probably got better, but their offensive situation definitely got messier. I, I think the offense will be better for it. Uh, I'm still avoiding all the running backs as best I can. And the new weapon, Golden Tate, right now doesn't really move the needle for me. I think he's a hold for right now. I, I think he initially takes a step backwards in value compared to being in Detroit. He's going to need a little bit of time to gel with the offense here. But he was brought in to soak up some targets and move the chains, as well as make the defense look off of Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, I think Alshon remains a high-end wide receiver to this game. 
while Tate settles into a, a flex play for now that I'd try to avoid. Ertz is a solid tight end one. Aguilar is completely expendable now. I don't know that I would need to, <clears throat> excuse me, avoid Golden Tate necessarily. Um, there's certainly some risk to see how involved he's going to be that first week, but uh, I think he'll be a fine wide receiver three or flex play here. Um, I think Alshon will be fine. I have him as a high end wide receiver two in this matchup. Uh, Wentz, of course, this you know the Golden Tate trade helps him. He'll be a mid range quarterback one. And then you're starting Zach Ertz. Uh, you know, we've seen some speculation that he might lose a few targets here or there, but he'll also see less coverage in the middle of the field. So um, still a top three fantasy tight end every week. As for the running backs, um, it seems like Josh Adams has been getting more run uh, with Clory Clements, uh, spilling, excuse me, splitting those carries between the two, um, which really makes both of them not that great for fantasy. I think Wendell Smallwood's going to be the preferred play of these running backs. Uh, he gets usage both in the run game and in the passing game. Uh, he'll be a PPR flex play for me. Um, yes. And then I will take the Eagles at home here unless, uh, I mean, I'm not changing my pick regardless. Give me the Eagles. Yep, give me the Eagles. New York Giants at the San Francisco 49ers on Monday Night Football. They really know how to get us to sit down and watch football at night. The Giants get the bye week to prepare for the Niners. Nothing changed over the bye. Beckham has wide receiver one upside. Barkley's a top five running back. I think Engram starts to see more play as the weeks wear on, though he's just low end tight end one right now. Sterling Shepard is a gutsy flex play. He has the talent, but I don't see a ton of passes thrown his way this game. I think you've said all there is to say about the Giants. Uh, start Eli at your own risk. For the Niners, 24 points versus Oakland on the back of Nick Mullins' 262 yards and three touchdowns. San Francisco hasn't said who's starting this week, but this is not a long-term fantasy answer. Uh, the Giants are one step away from giving up like Oakland has, though, so so an opportunity is there if you have the guts. Uh, me, I'm not quite that gutsy. I'm just sticking with Kittle as the tight end one. Um, Mostert, oh, okay. Oops. <laughs> uh, Mostert broke his arm, so he's got mustard on his pants now, not just mine, an egg on his face. I do hope he heals. You never like to see injuries like that. Um, and Matt Breida, of course, is going to push himself to play. So if he's there, he's a uh, running back too. Yeah, and they do have 11 days in between these games, and they rested Breda in the second half uh, after they led Oakland by so much. So I, I think Breda should be fine here. Um, he'll be an RB2 in a good matchup. And then whoever starts a quarterback, I don't know that it matters. I think Kittle remains an elite tight end play at this point. Uh, yeah. You know, I've made some bad calls this year, uh, selling Kareem Hunt, as we've discussed quite a bit. Um, you know, I was way too high on Lamar Miller, but... I am happy to say that one of my best calls was, you know, the week one waiver wire ads where I said Kittle could become an elite top three fantasy tight end. And through week nine, he's exactly that. He's the number three tight end in PPR. Um, as you said, I don't know that I'd go out of my way to start Mullins or Bethard. Uh, both of them are just QB twos with upside. But, you know, in a super flex or two quarterback league, maybe they'll be fine. And then finally, uh, you know, with Mostert out for the season, I do think Alfred Morris is an RB4. Uh, if he can punch in those short goal line touchdowns, uh, he goes back to being that number two guy with Mostert out. And then finally, it seemed like Mullins had a little bit of chemistry with Pierre Garçon. 
if Mullen starts, uh, and if you're desperate, Garcon would be a low-end flex play for me here. And then Goodwin remains that boomer bust wide receiver four, regardless of who's under center here. He's kind of like a Taylor Gabriel play. Uh, he's going to get some of those long touchdowns, but he also might get a couple catches for 30 yards. So the Giants are a disaster. I have faith in Kyle Shanahan. Give me the Niners at home. I'll take the Niners at home as well. And I just thought about this. I Dynasty players are to talk dynasty a second. Dynasty players are usually pretty well on top of things, but this one because there's been so many running backs who've had success for the 49ers success, quote unquote, you might be able to sneak this one by. If you're doing poorly this year and are the mad burrito owner, I think it's time to sell immediately while people, you know, still think he has some stock and before they remember that Jarek McKinnon is on this team and is the lead back as soon as next year starts. Yeah, you know, a lot of people have speculated that they can cut McKinnon, but they really don't owe him that much money in the coming years, and I don't see that happening. Uh, I, I think they'll add they somebody, but, uh, you know, Shanahan went oh, out and got stupid. McKinnon. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I've seen some speculation on Twitter that, you know, they don't owe him that much money, but there's just no reason why they would bring him in and then cut him when he was playing well in the preseason. And we've seen that, that ACL tears that's are... That's the exact reason not to cut him is because they don't owe him much money. <laughs> right. Um, I, I think the point here is that, you know, the ACL tear always scares people. And we've seen Dalvin Cook has struggled early in the season, but now we see the explosiveness when he is back to 100%. So give it time. Um, I wouldn't necessarily go out of my way to sell Breda, but uh, point taken in terms of dynasty here. Let's talk about some teams on the bye. Denver, who hopefully you're not touching any part of that. Well, I guess Emmanuel Sanders is fine. But Keenum, Lindsey, Freeman, Booker, Sanders, uh, Cortland Sutton, Jeff Hyerman. Good God. The Broncos got a week to rest and let Royce Freeman uh, get a week to rest and let Royce Freeman get back to muddy the the running back waters for him. Devontae Booker, of course, vultured a touchdown on one of his three carries. Otherwise, uh, Lindsey remains a running back, too, with receiving upside. Jeff Hyerman got a ton of targets with Demarius Thomas gone and Emmanuel Sanders re- receiving a ton of coverage. But we'll see if he continues to be that evolved, involved on a weekly basis. I'm not betting on it. Uh, Minnesota, uh, Kirk Cousins, Dalvin Cook. Latavius Murray, Thielen, Diggs, Rudolph. The defense was exceptional, holding Detroit to nine with 10 sacks on Matt Stafford. Delvin Cook is back and looked good. He will get another week to get his hamstring to 100%, and Diggs should be back uh, too. So even with Cousins down, even with Cousins down game without Diggs, he should be a decent quarterback one after the bye. At worst, a quarterback two. He's he's solid enough. He's not really tanking anybody, but. He, it's it's definitely starting to uh, be noticeable to owners that that he's had some good games and some pretty mediocre games. Um, Baltimore, Flacco, Collins, Buck Allen, John Brown, Crabtree, Sneed. Flacco struggled without two of their starting offensive linemen, and Collins did little but did get a touchdown. John Brown barely got targets with Flacco under pressure all day. They, they really need a, a week to regroup here. And Houston, uh, the Texans' offense operated well. Got uh, the newly uh, newly traded for Demarius Thomas worked into some screens and plays early on. His arrow will only go up from here with another week to integrate into this offense. Uh, monitor the health of Kiki Cutie coming off the bye with his hamstring injury. Um, I think there's nowhere to go but up for this Houston team. Yep, and just keep an eye on Dante Foreman still. Uh, not activated yet, but certainly could be. Uh, this run game has struggled as of late. 
Going into some injuries here uh, with the quarterbacks, we've got Derek Anderson with a concussion. He's questionable for this week, but you're not starting him anyway. Uh, if Nathan Peterman does get the start again, though, the Jets would be certainly a juicy streaming defensive matchup this week. Ryan Tannehill with that shoulder injury, questionable but still unlikely to play this week. And same with Josh Allen with the elbow sprain, questionable but unlikely to play just yet. At running back, we've hey. got... Sorry, go ahead. Go ahead. No, you got it. All right. Um, you. At running back here, we've got Sony Michelle uh, with that knee sprain. Uh, he's questionable, but he did practice a little bit today. It sounds like the Patriots are optimistic that he will play, but certainly... Uh, especially with the Patriots, uh, monitor the practice reports. You never know. Chris Carson with that hip or leg injury, questionable. Monitor those practice reports. Mike Davis would be an interesting start if he were to be out. Leonard Fournette with the hamstring. He's questionable for this week. Uh, he'll be a risky start even if he plays, depending on whether they decide to ease him back into a snap count. But uh, he did do individual drills today, so it's looking optimistic. Royce Freeman with a high ankle sprain. He has a bye this week, so we'll see about his status in week 11. Chris Thompson with those rib and knee injuries. He's questionable, but it sounds like still unlikely to play. Chris Ivory, same thing. Questionable, but unlikely to play this week with a shoulder injury. And then Ronald Jones with that hamstring strain. He's likely out this week, uh, but he did injure, excuse me, re-injure that hamstring after he hurt it in the preseason. Um, Tampa Bay's running out kind of a running back by committee anyway. So for me, Ronald Jones is droppable. And then of course, bad news for Raheem Mostert with that forearm fracture. He's out for the season. He's droppable in all redraft formats. As for the wide receivers, uh, AJ Green with it, we just found out that toe injury. It was reported he will miss at least two weeks, if not more. Um, but that he will not require season-ending surgery. Um, personally, we'd be looking at trade green away as soon as possible. Even if he plays through with us, his production will likely drop, not playing at 100%. We've seen time and again um, with toe injuries, a um, couple things that could happen. If it's a list Frank, like what's bothered Des Bryant in his career or something like what's bothered Greg Olson, that'll take you out. He'd already be in surgery, more like than not. This is probably something like turf toe, which we've seen – hobble players for weeks and weeks and weeks and be a big problem so so start to look elsewhere sorry green sorry green fans and this is at the worst time because cincinnati is not going to say anything over their bye because they're not uh, they're not obligated to john ross with his groin injury unlikely to play this week but in deeper leagues consider adding him as he may play a bigger role when he returns if green is out for an extended period of time sammy watkins with a foot injury sounds pretty minor he's likely to play this week but monitor the practice reports on this one with watkins history with his feet uh stefan diggs in a rib injury they're mostly pain management issues usually and with minnesota on by this week diggs is likely to play week 11 Kiki Cutie and his hamstring injury. Uh, Houston's on a bye this week, so hopefully Cutie will get his cute hamstring back by week 11. Jarvis Landry, arm injury, looks to be minor, should be able to play this week, but monitor the reports. Uh, Allen Robinson with his groin questionable this week, monitor the reports. Jamison Crowder and his knee, questionable so far. Geronimo Allison and his groin reports he's going to be out for a while, so expect him to miss at least two or more games. Uh, look look towards uh, Valdez Gandling. 
Deshaun Hamilton, MCL sprain, a name we haven't mentioned much up until now, but with Demarius Thomas gone, Hamilton has a definite opportunity when he comes back healthy. Questionable this week, but as with John Ross, worth a look in deeper leagues. Um, he should be that third wide receiver, with, along with Cortland Sutton. And Paul Richardson had shoulder surgery done for the season, droppable in all redraft formats. As for the tight ends, Rob Gronkowski with a litany of back and ankle issues, questionable. Who knows with Patriots players? At least they play at noon Sunday this week, so we'll know his status early on. Hunter Henry, who we mentioned earlier with the ACL tear that occurred in May, he will be he, he might be activated off the IR in this next month for fantasy teams that are locked in for the playoffs. Stash him, and if you've been streaming tight ends, uh, even if you're set, you you could deny another playoff team a potential tight end one upgrade. So you're not just playing offense; you're playing defense here. Tyler Croft and his foot fracture likely out this week, but worth mentioning his status because if both Green and Croft are out, C.J. Uzuma should see a ton of targets despite Hay having a, a zero in the last game. And Eric Swoop with his knee injury, just like Croft, you weren't starting him anyway outside of very deep leagues, but if he's out, it will boost the ceilings of both Eric Ebron and Jack Doyle. Yep, and going into some waiver wire ads, if you do have some of these players who are injured, We've got Baker Mayfield, 38% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. Browns offense looked much better under their new offensive coordinator, Freddie Kitchens. And Atlanta's still a great passing matchup despite shutting down Washington's poor offense. Dak Prescott we're seeing tonight uh, showing some signs of life with Amari Cooper now, 34% ESPN, 38% Yahoo. You know, we'll see how this offense continues to go, but it has helped open things up in the passing game a little bit, and the Eagles' corners are struggling. Andy Dalton, 54% owned in ESPN, 62% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Certainly downgraded quite a bit with A.J. Green out, but he still has a good matchup against New Orleans. And then uh, we've got Blake Bortles, 16% ESPN, 22% Yahoo. Do you feel lucky? Because uh, the Colts are an okay matchup here, but Bortles could give you four points or 24 points. That said, if Leonard Fournette is active, then Bortles becomes a much safer play. As for the uh, running backs, Duke Johnson, 50% owned ESPN, 48% Yahoo, about half. For the same reason we like make Baker Mayfield this week, the new Browns OC is smartly using Duke Johnson in the passing game. Johnson has uh, was a PPR running back one the entire season last year and could be rest of season if his target volume remains this high. Mike Davis sitting around 25% in both. If Chris Carson can't return from his hip injury this week, then Davis should remain laid back for Seattle. However, his ceiling may not be as high versus the Rams as Russell Wilson will likely need to throw more to keep this game close. <clears throat> Ito Smith, 32% ESPN, 44% Yahoo. That's criminally low. Smith looks good running the football and gets red zone carries. He's a bit touchdown dependent, but with four teams on the bye, he's a good flex play here against a not great Cleveland defense. Wendell Smallwood, 35 and 39. And Josh Adams, 3% and 10%. Smallwood is Philly's receiving back, and he's a flex play with a decent floor, as he gets a few carries here and there as well. Adams has outplayed Corey Clement the past couple games and should get more work going forward, but they're still splitting carries, and Smallwood is still the preferred flex play for us. Al Morris, 27% ESPN, 15% Yahoo. Matt Burita is still the lead back for San Francisco, but with Raheem Mustard out for the season with a fractured forearm, Morris reclaims the number two spot and could see more work with new uh, versus the Giants if the game stays close. Theoretic 17% ESPN, less than 10 in Yahoo. 
Riddick got a ton of targets with Golden Tate gone. Even though he didn't do much with them, he can be a running back three or flex if he continues to be Stafford's favorite checkdown receiver or checkdown targets. He's not a receiver. Jalen Richard, 54% ESPN, 53% Yahoo, and Doug Martin, 57% ESPN, 53% Yahoo. If you're desperate, Oakland should trail the Chargers for most of the game and could be in uh, could be a low-end flex with PPR upside for Jalen Richard. Martin is running well, but he's not going to get many carries with Oakland playing catch-up in most games. He could punch in a, punch in a goal-line touchdown if you're desperate, uh, Derrick Henry style. Jamal Williams, 32% ESPN, 24% Yahoo. Again, just a desperation option, but Green Bay should lead for most of the game at home versus Miami, so both running backs could see more carries here. There's also the possibility that Williams could outsnap Aaron Jones after Jones fumbled in a crucial situation versus New England. Uh, Jones also uh, let up a uh, miss, miss pretty, whiffed pretty badly on a pass protection play, but um, hopefully Mike McCarthy didn't notice that. Derrick Henry. 55% ESPN, 52% Yahoo. Another option here if you're desperate. Tennessee may try to pound the ball to keep Tom Brady off the field. New England's run defense has been suspect at times this season. Henry could also convert another goal line touchdown, as he did against the Chargers in Week 7 and today against the Dallas Cowboys. Yep, and at wide receiver, we've got Larry Fitzgerald, 77% owned in ESPN, 75% owned in Yahoo, and Christian Kirk, 17% owned in ESPN, 25% owned in Yahoo. The Arizona offense is trending up prior to their bye week, and they have a great matchup against Kansas City this week. They've got another great matchup against Oakland next week. Both of these wide receivers should be owned and probably started in a lot of leagues. Marcus Valdez-Scantling we talked about a little bit, 21% owned in ESPN, 38% owned in Yahoo. Uh, he's playing very well. Uh, he's probably the second-best wide receiver on the Packers right now behind Devontae Adams. Valdez-Scantling should remain one of Rodgers' new favorite targets, and is probably going to be a weekly wide receiver three or flex play, especially Geronimo Allison out for a while. David Moore, 17% owned in ESPN, 16% owned in Yahoo. It was a disappointing game for Moore, box score-wise, against the Chargers, but he should still be added. He had the third most targets behind Mike Davis and Nick Vanette, ahead of Doug, Mal excuse me, Doug Baldwin and Tyler Lockett. And then, as we said, the ball was barely tipped away on the last play of the game, or else Moore could have had a fourth straight game with a touchdown. Cortland Sutton, 64% owned in ESPN, 67% owned in Yahoo!, with Demarius Thomas gone now, Sutton has immense opportunity. Even though he struggled against the Texans, this bye week should help him get more situated in the offense. Danny Amendola, 46% owned in ESPN, 46% owned in Yahoo. Even in an awful game where Miami only scored 13 points, Amendola led the team in targets, receptions, and receiving yards. He remains a decent PPR wide receiver three option. Adam Humphreys, 3% owned in ESPN, 2% owned in Yahoo. The Tampa Bay defense continues to force passing game scripts for the offense, and Humphreys is outplaying Chris Godwin right now. He's a boomer bust wide receiver four with high weekly upside with Fitzpatrick. And then Maurice Harris and Josh Doxson, we talked about those guys a little bit. Harris is unowned across the board, and Josh Doxson is owned in 8% of ESPN leagues and 17% of Yahoo leagues. If you're desperate, Harris has been filling in in the slot role for Jamison Crowder. He's done very little until this past week, but this is an awful Tampa Bay secondary, 
and with the offensive line injuries, he may get quite a few checkdown targets from Alex Smith. And likewise for Josh Doxson, if you're desperate, he could go off for a couple big plays against that secondary. And then Taylor Gabriel, 50%, excuse me, 56% owned in ESPN, 47% owned in Yahoo. Gabriel's had three straight down weeks now, but he remains that boomer bust wide receiver four with high upside. Especially in deeper bench leagues, he's worth adding or holding on to if you're confident about making the playoffs. The Bears play the Rams, the Packers, and the Niners from weeks 14 to 16 in the fantasy playoffs, and these are all great passing matchups for Gabriel. And then finally, Tyrell Williams and Mike Williams, the Chargers Williamses, 31% owned in ESPN and 45% owned in Yahoo for Tyrell, and Mike is owned in 25% of ESPN ESPN leagues and 45% of Yahoo leagues. Both of these guys are just wide receiver fours, but if you're desperate with all these bye weeks and injuries, both are threats to score touchdowns, especially against the Oakland Raiders. Tight ends. The big boys. Ben Watson, 48% owned in ESPN, 60% in Yahoo. He's been a bit boomer bust, but Watson is one of the highest upside tight end two streamers in this powerhouse Saints offense. Jack Doyle, 40% ESPN, 38% Yahoo. Doyle has a tough matchup versus Jacksonville this week, but luck showed that he'll target Doyle plenty in the red zone now that he's healthy, and Jacksonville allows points to the tight ends. CJ Uzuma, 18% ESPN, 23% Yahoo. The Bengals offense will likely produce fewer points overall with AJ Green out, but Uzuma should see an uptick in targets, making him a great PPR tight end stream rest of season, especially in a great matchup versus New Orleans this week where Cincinnati should be playing catch-up. Chris Herndon, 13% ESPN, 14% Yahoo. Herndon has a tough matchup versus the Buffalo defense this week, but he's getting more and more involved in the offense and is one of Sam Darnold's favorite red zone targets. Jeff Hyerman, 8% ESPN, 1% Yahoo. It was a fluky big game for Hyerman, but he might be worth a pickup in deeper leagues if Keenan continues to target the tight end more now that Demarius Thomas is gone. <clears throat> Hunter Henry, 1% across the board. Henry has a chance to be activated next month with the Chargers offense scoring a ton of points. Henry is worth adding if you're basically locked in for a playoff spot and have a bench or IR spot available for him. And what's the uh, Los tight end special? Oh, this week it's going to be Chris Herman. Sorry, thanks thanks for reminding me there. I agree with you. That's why I didn't say anything uh, during the Jets breakdown on him. That was supposed to be the big reveal here, um, but but you did beat me to it. Um, he's the uh, Roll Age Relief Man of the Week or whatever it's going to be. <laughs> um, we, we've said it before. Usually said it in conjunction with the Jets and guys like uh, Austin Severian Jenkins or um, – Oh goodness, who is that? Uh, Kellen, Kellen, uh, Kellen Davis. But um, you know, young tight, young quarterback's best friend is the tight end. Now that's shown not to be true over the years with most of these newer quarterbacks. But here, I think that is the case, especially with what's going on in uh, for the Jets surrounding uh, surrounding Sam Darnold at at both uh, running back and receiver. All right, uh, I certainly agree on Herndon. I like him as well, um, and I may be using him again if Gronk is out again, so we'll see. Hopefully you're right on that one. Uh, as for some defenses that you can pick up and stream this week, we've got the LA Chargers here, 44% owned in ESPN, 52% owned in Yahoo. Uh, Chargers get a great matchup against a horrendous Oakland team. And then they face Denver and Arizona after this week. Uh, with Joey Bosa possibly returning soon, they could be good for quite some time and possibly for the rest of the season here. 
the New York Jets defense, 37% owned in ESPN and in Yahoo. Uh, they get to face either Nathan Peterman or Derek Anderson at home. Enough said, Buffalo has given up the most fantasy points to opposing defenses thus far. And then finally, the Kansas City Chiefs defense. Of course, I have to bring them up. Uh, they're actually Their ownership percentage has gone up quite a bit. 75% owned in ESPN and 82% owned in Yahoo. Y'all they, were listening. They were. Um, but, uh, you know, the Chiefs might get dropped after a fairly disappointing performance against Cleveland. However, they get another great matchup this week against a struggling Cardinals offense. Certainly worth a shot. At kicker, we've got... Adam Vinatieri, 39% owned in ESPN, 18% owned in Yahoo. Vinatieri was dropped in many leagues during the Colts' bye week, uh, and there should be plenty of field goal opportunities against a Jaguars defense that makes a lot of stops in the red zone. And then finally, we've got Matt Bryant, 23% owned in ESPN, 26% owned in Yahoo, and Giorgio Tavecchio, 3% owned in ESPN, 11% owned in Yahoo. If Matt Bryant returns from this hamstring injury, he'll be a fantasy kicker on a good offense. And if not, Tavecchio remains one of the best streaming kicker options. Even if Bryant returns, Tavecchio has played well enough to potentially keep the starting job either in Atlanta or to have earned another kicking job for a different NFL team here. So keep an eye on both of those guys if you need help at kicker this week. Yeah, I've got to drop Dan Bailey this week, or, well, maybe I'll hang on to him. I don't know. I'll, I'll probably end up dropping him. I don't know what's available there. I, I just don't relish having to make stupid moves for stupid players. Yeah, I mean, I don't think – it depends on your roster. If you have the room, then obviously stash Bailey. But, uh, you know, kickers are generally droppable unless you've got yeah. a guy like Greg Zerline or Justin Tucker or Steven Goskowski, you know, one of those few guys who are so consistent week in and week out. Yep. Well, that is going to conclude our waiver wire section here. Uh, I, I know you, you uh, poked a little fun at me last week at the end, huh? Trying to uh, say, uh, you know, my little bit, but it is true. No matter what your record is, uh, you can always improve your team uh, through the waiver wire. And then this week with the trade, uh, the fantasy trade deadlines looming, uh, it's also time to make some trade offers. Throw some out there. Um, you know, you never know what someone's opinion is on a player until you throw out that trade proposal. And then finally, just uh, one unrelated note to fantasy. Don't forget to vote. Uh, it is uh, it is time to vote today when you're listening. Uh, tomorrow for when we're recording here, but this Tuesday today when you're listening. So no matter who you're voting for, uh, just go vote for somebody because uh, there's a lot of countries where you don't get that opportunity. That's my. But it's so much easier to watch TV, and it's so cold out here. Uh, it is very cold, uh, but uh, you know what? Generally speaking, uh, you know your polling locations are going to be pretty close to your address. They have them all over. Uh, so hopefully uh, you'll go out there. Um, you know. Anyway, that's all I got. Uh, but well, Mung, I've never heard of half these people. <laughs> well, here's the thing. You could do a little research, um, which you probably should before just voting for random people. And then if you don't know any of those people and, uh, you know, you're at the polling location, you're cold and tired, then do what I do and write in a name that you would like to see fill that position. And I usually oh, write gosh. in for Stannis Baratheon because he is tough but fair. <laughs> 
<laughs> Seriously, though, do your civic duty. Come on, guys. Yeah. Um, honestly, there, there's a lot of places in the world where uh, you don't get this kind of opportunity. So, again, it doesn't matter uh, who you're voting for, what your ideals are, but uh, go out and make your voice heard. Anyway, that, that's all I got. Back to fantasy. Uh, you know, if you've got specific questions, you know, you can tweet at us on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G. I'm at FFA underscore Los. That's L-O-S. And of course, our the great producer, Dan, at FFA underscore Dan. Say you miss him. Tell him tell him he needs to come on a little a little more frequently. Come on. Uh, also, we're available at iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or mobile device, don't forget to hit subscribe so that the uh, so that the show's there for you immediately. Tuesday morning, Monday night, whenever they approve us, you know. It's, sometimes it's quicker than others, but we're definitely there by Tuesday morning every week. And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it. Thanks, addicts. Go vote.